On your paper this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list. I want you to list three things that you would like to accomplish or do or places you'd like to go before you die. So three things you want to accomplish or uh, you can mix in there uh, things that you want to, to do or places that you want to see. All right? Um, start jotting those down. Uh, and uh, not going to give you much time. <laughs> Um, after you jot those three items down, you don't need to think too hard about this, by the way. This is just kind of like first thing that comes to your mind. I'm not going to hold you to it, okay? Uh, after you write those three things down, I want you to go back and I want you to star uh, the one that you would pick if you could only do one of those before you died, okay? So three things, and then circle back around and star the one that's, that's, that's most important to you. Um, and... Some of you just are not doing this. You're like, I, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to fall into your trap. There's no trap, okay? Um, here's, here's what that's doing, is that is showing in, in your mind something that we do all the time, which is to make priorities. We make decisions about what is most important. And right now, you might be thinking, what three things would I do before I die? That just to make that list rises the kind of the cream to the crop, right? But then of those three, if you could only pick one, I mean, if you were to really invest some time in this, you'd actually begin to see, wow, my heart, my dreams, I mean, some of the things I really think about lie in that answer. That's what's most important to me, uh, you know, to, to the favor or of, of everything else. Um, this brand new series that we're starting, uh, we're, we're calling Greater Than. And it's the idea of, of priorities and asking this kind of question, what is most important? Of all the important things in life, what is most important? I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, I know the answer is coffee, but we're in church, so it must be Jesus, right? <laughs> you're a little confused. We're going we're gonna to get into that and kind of sort through. Some of you are like, it's not coffee, it's chocolate, so... Uh, um, here's, when, when, when we bring up priorities, here's what I know for a fact. I know for a fact that everyone in this room, by the way, starting off with this, with this series, I am not coming to you as an expert in this. I do not have my priorities completely aligned all the time. In fact, I really struggle with this. And as I, as I've been studying more and reading more about this, it's just exposing how much I need to, to grow in this area. But here's what I know. I know that I'm not alone, okay? Some of you, there's some segment of you in this room that do not set priorities, period. You've been told to, you kind of have this deep gnawing sense that you should be setting priorities, but you don't, okay? And this is evidenced by how you shop at Costco, okay? You go to Costco and you're like, 20 pounds of celery, I need that, boom! And you put it down, right? And you, you wander your way through Costco and it's clear at the end, you don't set priorities, okay? That's one segment of you. There's another segment of you um, that set your priorities, but it's one thing to set priorities. It's another to evaluate your priorities and then actually live by your priorities. Amen? Right? It's easy to get fired up and set priorities, but if you aren't evaluating them or living by them, then you struggle with this. Now, this is evidenced by your lack of mid-course corrections. You kind of say, this is what is really important to me, but then you kind of just fall back into your old patterns. That means you struggle and wrestle with priorities. Some of you are great at not only setting priorities, but you actually go back and evaluate them, and you actually live by them. You might think, great, I'm doing wonderful, but here's the problem. Maybe your priorities are crooked. 
right? And there's sometimes people that say, hey, you got to get your priorities what? Straight. You got to straighten out your priorities. What happens with crooked priorities is they keep taking you to places you don't want to go. You keep ending up in these places and you're like, it's not for a lack of a plan. It's not for a lack of evaluating that plan or following the plan. It's just that the plan keeps taking me places that I don't want to go. I don't know if you fit into one of those three categories, but if we were to just keep on pecking away at this, what we'd realize is this. This is an area uh, that we need growth in. The need for priorities is absolutely obvious. We are swamped by decisions, options, and opportunities like never before. Has anyone shopped for a mobile phone plan recently? Okay. Okay. What you know about mobile phone, some of you are like, I wouldn't go there in a million years because I'm too confused by it all and there's too many choices. And, and the way that, that, that people tend to talk with those things is they just talk in these, in these circles and I, and I just don't get it. Um, add in the fact that not only do we, do we have more decisions, options, and opportunities available to us, probably than, more than any other people in history, um, but also there's many in this room who really struggle with focus and they really struggle with follow through. Right, So you take struggling with focus and follow-through, you add that to a sea of choices. What do you have? Frustration. Right? You have exhaustion. And you, you actually can have despair. People can, can get into a mode and just go, I don't see this changing. I don't see, I don't see things getting simple anytime soon. All I see is added complexity. And if, you, and if your life is tracked with mine, your life has only gotten more complex. When you thought it was complex as a teenager, it wasn't. When you thought it was complex as a college student, it wasn't. When you thought it was complex when you first you know, got married or first got a full-time job, it really wasn't when you look back on it. It just seems to increase in complexity. Now, I would say this. I think most people are sitting in this room this morning um, because you are thinking past this next weekend um, and just what's going to bring you the most happiness. I think you're sitting here in this room this morning because you want to do right by those that you love the most and those that depend on you. I think that you're probably sitting in this room because you want to, to seek out honoring God with the gifts that he's given you, the time that he's given you, this life that he's given you. So, so you've made weekly worship, gathering in a church, sitting under teaching from God's word, a priority. There's probably some of you in this room who maybe as recently as last week at Easter are just getting your feet wet. Maybe you're unsure about the Bible and about Jesus and about all these truth claims that the gospel puts forth. And so you've decided to make it a priority to investigate these things. Kudos to you. Welcome. It's great that you're here saying, I'm going to begin to actually invest some time into seeing is there truth to this or not. You may not believe this because of what you've seen or been told in the past, but God and Christianity welcomes investigation, welcomes testing truth claims. The Bible is pro-intellect, pro-reason, pro-coming together and saying, are these facts really facts or are they just myths? So glad you're here. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 11. If you don't, I'd invite you to, um, to use the one that's in front of you in the seat. The second you start to talk about priorities, you really begin to realize it's, it's also a series about choices. 
could just as easily call, call it uh, something with choices in the title because priorities is all about choices. Oftentimes, choosing between good and bad is pretty simple. But how about choosing what is best? Choosing between good and bad often shows itself really, really simply. But choosing what is best is a different story. Oftentimes, best is crowded out by good and by better. Now, I know I've lost some of you right at this point. Uh, That's okay. I'm going to try and get you back. Uh, Every day, you and I are forced to make all kinds of decisions, and, um, and we are the ones that are going to be held responsible for those decisions. And that kind of pressure adds up. It adds up immensely when other people uh, live with your choices and the consequences that are brought on by those choices. Greater than. This series, Greater Than, uh, is not going to be a series of beating you up and saying, get your priorities straight. Get them in line. Come on, do better. Uh, that's actually the opposite direction that this series is going to go. And if you're hearing that, would you please write me an email? Would you drop me a note? Would you come talk to me? Because I'm not uh, communicating well or you're not listening well or some combination of the two. Secondly, this isn't going to just regurgitate time management conferences that you've been to. We're not about that. You can go read books, uh, book after book, and get all kinds of help all over the web about time management, about setting priorities. Just go Google setting priorities. Um, I don't know how many hits will come up in 0.2 seconds, but a lot of them will come up. Okay, This is not a foreign topic. Um, instead... Uh, what I want to do is this. I want to narrow the focus for us as a church for a few weeks, and I want to I simplify. Uh, my, my prayer is that this series, Greater Than, actually does this for you. Just a really, really big sigh as you set down the non-essentials as you maybe hit pause just long enough to say, maybe all that I've taken on isn't all for me. Maybe God hasn't given me all of this. Maybe I've grabbed on more things that I shouldn't be grabbing on. So my prayer for you as we walk through this series of Greater Than is that some of the peripheral things that are going on in your life right now would, uh, would, would, would change and sharpen and be focused. Matthew chapter 11, uh, if you're there with me, look down at verse 28. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus is talking and he says this. He, he, he offers this um, invitation. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We serve a good God. And God's chosen to reveal himself to mankind as a father. I want you to think about this for a moment 
Uh, maybe you're an aunt and uncle, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, but think about kids. What kind of reflection does it point to the parent? If you've got a kid who's overworked, overstressed, and a pain to live with all the time because they're too busy, what kind of reflection does that child bear on the parent? It doesn't say, what a good and loving and providing and trusted parent. We're the busy kids. We're the ones who are overstressed, overworked, and a pain to live with sometimes. And if God is good, and God ushers through his son Jesus this invitation to say, take my yoke upon you, I'm going to give you rest for your souls. And then sometimes we turn around and live in a way that's completely different. It doesn't reflect well on God. I don't know if you've caught this lately, but we live in the valley of heavy laden souls who are in need of rest. I tend to bike a lot of places because my world is, is pretty small, and so I, I can, I'm able to bike a lot of, of places. And I, I ride my bike over 85 often. And as I bike over the little walkway of 85, you know what I see? If it's in the morning, I see a ton of cars going that way and taillights looking back at me if I look that way. And if it's in the evening, it's a ton of cars going this way. And you know what I do? I smile. I smile because I'm not sitting in that traffic. Now, I know some of you are sitting in that traffic. I should probably pray for you, but I'm, I'm too selfish for that. I'm, God's still working on me. I'm selfish. I just smile. I, I really do. I'm so thankful because I've, I've had to do that, that, that drive. And sometimes our roadways are just this little heart indication of kind of where we're at. We're, we're not rested. We're not enjoying ourselves. We're not thankful. We're, we're, we're rushing, trying to get to the next appointment. Weary and heavy laden. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and the burden is light. That's a word called grace. That if you start spending time around Jesus, start learning about Jesus, start walking with him, it just begins to, to flood your light, your, your, your life. I want you to flip over, over uh, a couple of books to Luke, Luke chapter 8. And our passage this morning is, is this. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus does what he tends to do. He talks in stories, and there's a great crowd that has gathered. And in verse 4, it says this, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said this, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
The, one who, the, one, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And for that, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, I'll tell you what absolutely jumps out at me from this passage, um, and as we started this whole series on greater than and thinking through priorities, is, um, is those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. As they go on their way, the word of God, which is the seed, right, is choked out. So a part of this series is this. It's concern for us as a church. It's concern for my life individually to say this. God, as we go on our way and the word of God, the seed is implanted Would you help us, collectively as a church and as individuals, not to be distracted, but be disciples? We live in the land of distraction. We live where it's so easy. Don't you hear good things on a Sunday? Don't you hear good things when you read God's word on your own? Don't you hear good things when you're just talking with your community group and meeting with people? And then it's so easy to just get distracted by the worries of this life, by the pleasures of this life. We're going to talk this series about prioritizing like Jesus. And this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to give you just kind of three introductory uh, thoughts around this. One is this. uh, Prioritizing like Jesus will require short-term pain. It's going to require some short-term pain. Now, this is generally true in life. Think of school. Think of work. Think of getting in shape physically. Think about your finances. On and on we could go. Immediate gratification often robs us of greater gratification. Let me say that again. Immediate gratification often robs us of greater gratification. In the context of what we're talking about this morning, that's completely true. So I just want to warn you that if we start to align ourselves or re-remember what it is to set our priorities like Jesus prioritized, there will be some short-term pain. Isn't it easier uh, to always be hunting through the Word of God um, so that it meets our immediate short-term felt need? I mean, it is, and this isn't necessarily wrong, but think about it. I could spend my entire life hunting through the scriptures, flipping pages, constantly looking for the following. God, I'm wrestling with this latest temptation. What does your word have to say about it? There's something. I'm going to read that, and that's going to benefit me. That's going to help me. That's a good thing. 
God, I'm filled with rage, and I don't know why, and I need help with it. Can you give me some instruction? Uh, Here's something. I found something. I'm going to memorize that, and I'm going to study that portion of Scripture. God, I can't get past jealousy, or I can't forgive this person. Would you teach me something about that? So we study about that. God, I've got toddlers, and I want them to to be raised uh, to, to love you, and not be, you know, a burden on society and the world. Do you have something for me on that? God, I need the key to a blissful marriage. Do you have something for me on that? And so we search and search and search and go after the scriptures that way. That is, that is a kind of immediate gratification mode of searching through the scriptures. And I don't knock that, but if that's all we ever do, we are going to see the scriptures from very much a man-centered point of view. Instead, here's one of the incredible benefits of getting on a reading program and just reading through a book of the Bible all the way through. It's why we teach through books of the Bible most of the time. Because when you take the Bible, some of you are reading straight through the Bible uh, this year. You're just like, I'm going to get it all. Good for you. I hope you finish. I hope you do it. That's a discipline worth doing. As you do that, what you will do is you will begin to see things that you in a million years would never go hunt after. But it will start to form a picture to say, wow, God is sovereign. And and you're going to begin to see the Bible from God's vantage point, the one who wrote it. Here's a passage that you would come across. Just write this down, Matthew 6.33. Now, Matthew 6, 7, and 8 is Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And it deals with all kinds of things in life. It talks about spiritual things and how to pray. It talks about relationships and how to forgive. It talks about how to deal with those who are your enemies. All kinds of great stuff. And then nestled right in there is something that maybe you wouldn't go hunt after and wouldn't show up in a concordance under XYZ temptation or thing thing you need to know. But here it is. He says this in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That one verse is really worth committing to memory. Plus, it's a fairly easy one, so you'll kind of feel good, like, yeah, I got one down. That's one that's worth soaking in and thinking about and letting it come up in your choices, in your week, in your day. Seeking kingdom priorities will not come easy or natural, but will always pay off big dividends. So the short-term pain of this will be this. There are some things in your life that are really, really important, but because they're not urgent, they gather dust on a shelf somewhere, right? And so some of us live our lives by kind of the tyranny of the urgent. Someone coined that phrase, I grabbed onto it in college, and it's true. We sometimes are just a slave to the master of the urgent. And whoever's barking the loudest, that's who we go after. And there are some deeply important things that can kind of get, uh, get dusty if we're not careful. All right, prioritizing like Jesus does do something tangible in the immediate, though. Here it is. It will make lesser decisions easy. Prioritizing like Jesus will make lesser decisions easy. You are bombarded by decisions. Some of them don't matter at all. And some of us in this room have a series of blinking lights, and they're not color-coded, so we, some of us can't tell the difference, what's important, what's not. I've lost track of that. And this is driving me insane. 
Prioritizing like Jesus turns off a lot of those blinking lights as decisions that just aren't that important. Or the decision is super easy after you get some priorities together. Keeping the main thing, the main thing is hard, but I would say it's necessary for survival, especially in kind of the world we live in. All right, here's a little contest for you. I need someone in the room um, to tell me the month, the day, and the year when the last spike was driven on the transcontinental railroad. Um, And as a bonus, I want to know who drove the spike. What I try to do is give enough things that maybe there's a history buff that would have that off the top of your head, but probably not, okay? Um, Now, uh, there is a prize in play, and your smartphones are in play, okay? So go. I need to find the, the month, the day, and the year of when the last spike was driven on the transcontinental railroad and who drove it, all right? That's the contest. Now, while you are searching for that, I'm going to keep talking. Um, the Transcontinental Railroad is going to provide for us this whole series, kind of this great image. By the way, when you have this stand up, if you have this stand up, <laughs> we have a winner. We think. We're not even sure. Oh, she's standing back What What is Okay, you got to get the person. Still in play. Still in play. All right, we got, oh, Michael just beat you. Okay, we will... We will now see if this is accurate. All right, month, day, and year that it happened. Okay, and who is the person? That is correct. Give it up for Michael. All right, there's more of a prize than a hand clap. Okay, you're like, that's it? That's all I get? Uh, it's, coming, it's coming shortly. Uh, the, the Transcontinental Railroad provides us kind of this really powerful image that I, I want you to keep in mind this whole series. Think about this. It kind of keeps us on the right track. All right? Kind of, kind of cheesy. Uh, but it's true. Um, so so t- <laughs> once a year, I've got to squeak one of those out. Uh, so here's what happened. Two railroad companies are tasked with linking the country, this vast country of ours, by railway, Right? And think of this kind of like the internet of the 19th century. That's really what it was. All of a sudden, uh, people and commerce and ideas could, could happen and travel very quickly, and it united things in a vast way. It dramatically changed, uh, really, our country and in some ways the world. The Industrial Revolution was kind of, was kind of kicked off by this. Um, over the next sev- seven years, as this, as this task was, was, was given, these two companies kind of were, were racing toward each other, one from Sacramento, California, uh, one from Omaha, Nebraska. And they had all these great things to overcome. Um, there was basically, think about the territories at the time, it was poorly mapped, so they didn't have, they didn't have detailed maps of what was ahead. Um, they, had, they had all these obstacles and hardships that they had to struggle toward uh, if they were going to get this done. Uh, there was constant need of forming a plan and then making a mid-course correction and figuring out what was next. And there was one guiding principle, there was one truth that made all these vast decisions that they had to make a lot easier. And here it was. They knew they had one mission. The mission was this. Our track has to line up perfectly at some point with the track coming the other way. That's our goal. It was crystal clear to every single person who was there on that mission, sacrificing, doing these hard things, whether you were a decision maker or you were a follower, you knew the mission. It was crystal clear. 
we have to head west. We have to head east. And we have to have our tracks line up. That's success. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not too hard to think about the Transcontinental Railroad and what they faced and overlay that onto our lives. Think about our lives for a minute. Sometimes our lives are poorly mapped. I don't know, but some some of you in this room are in uncharted territory is how we say it. Maybe with your career, your health, your relationships, your finances, your parenting. You just say, man, I've, I've never been here. I don't even know. I mean, can't even talk to people who've been here. Poorly mapped region that you're in. There's lots of decisions to make. There are great things at stake, people and resources that are going to rely on your decision making. What is the one goal that is guiding it all? Do I go left? Do I go right? Am I supposed to dig under this thing, climb over it? Am I supposed to blast through it? That sounds really dangerous, working with dynamite. What am I supposed to do? And what if there was this one purpose that you knew what success would look like? You knew when the mission would be accomplished. If you line your track up with the track coming the other way. Well done, good and faithful servant. Many in this room are living their lives to hear those words from their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well done. You know what what that is? That's mission accomplished. Now enter into your rest. That one phrase, that one one longing changes things, doesn't it? It changes the day-to-day decisions that we're that we're making right now. If we can get the main thing, so many other things that confound us on a daily or weekly basis have this way of kind of working themselves out. If we can get the big picture happening. All right, number three is this, that Jesus modeled something else about priorities. He, he modeled that it works best in Community. Michael, I want you to come on up for a moment. Working out priorities works best in community. Now, you've been eyeing this, uh, these three stacks of Oreos uh, for quite some time now. Um, Michael, come stand, come stand over here behind the stool, and um, you, get to pick, you get to pick one stack of those Oreos. So go, go ahead and pick. You, you get to pick it. Okay, grab it. That's it. All right, give him a hand. All right, stay up here for a second. All right, by show of hands, how many of you think he made the right choice? Okay, I'm going to raise my hand on that one. All right. Um, now, we're going to just hear from you for a second. I'm glad it's Michael. My, I, I, I know Michael well enough I can pick him on this way. Why did you choose that, that stack? I assumed it would be for me to eat. Okay, good. <laughs> You've assumed correctly. It's yours to do with whatever. You could sell them on eBay. You could do whatever you want, okay? All right, so quite simply, it was selfish. Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And Give it up for Michael. And, we, and gluttonous. And gluttonous. All right. We're going we're gonna, to uh, pray for Michael at the end of the service. He's like, I'm a selfish glutton, but I'm truthful. <laughs> um, so so there's, there's three stacks there. Um, 
you know, if, if you're talking to, to one person, you might look at the stack, and uh, there's some of you in this room that might think, man, Michael made the wrong choice. Um, this is clearly the right one uh, with only one, because you see, I'm diabetic, and uh, it would cause problems to have more than one. So, so one is clearly the right choice. Some of you are neat freaks, so you're like, is there a choice where you don't have to choose them at all? Because that's a lot of crumbs right there. And as a neat freak, I don't want crumbs around. Some of you are germaphobes, and you're like, someone's rear end was sitting on that playing guitar. I, I don't even want to be up here at all. Right? So, so some of you think, if I had to pick one, it's clearly this one right here. Okay? Now, some of you are right here in the middle. You're non-extremists, okay? You don't like to rock the boat. Maybe you were the middle child. I don't know what it was, but you're like, this must be the right choice. Or maybe you're dieting, and you're like, you know, I really wanted the three, but I'm going to feel better and only take the two because I'm dieting. Um, some of you are gluttonous and selfish. By the way, Michael's back there chewing away. I love it. Um, so- some of you clearly think that, that number three is the right one because you've got lots of friends to share with or, or whatever else, right? So uh, there's no guilt in that. You, you can eat them all, Michael. I, I'm not telling him that you have to share. Oh, Les already got one. Wow. Wow. So our, our glutton, selfish guy who's truthful is also very generous. So good job. We're all very complex people. Um, here's the point. Priorities will be fleshed out um, differently by different people. So what, what you know is the right choice and clearly the highest priority, if you don't have all the facts or you don't know everything, it may not be for other people the same answer. So what I want to do in this series is, is I want to hold up some things for God. And there are some, there are some grand themes that are, that are given in Scripture that I, I want to draw our attention to and draw our discussion to in community groups But fleshing those out will look a little bit differently. God's chosen way is this. People are born again. And just like a baby born, uh, the ideal, right, is that a baby is born into a loving family. God's given a loving family to, to baby Christians. It's called the church. And in the family called the church, uh, Jesus talks about, the Bible talks about the church being a body. And that a body has different members, and therefore there's different goals. There's even different priorities to your different body parts and their function. So seek first the kingdom of God is one of those grand priorities. But if we're not careful, what we'll do is this. The way that we flesh that out, we will try to impose on everyone else. So it's actually better to do this. It works best to do this in community because what we're going to see is this. Wow, there's brothers and sisters sitting in front and behind and across from me who are genuinely seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and it looks a lot different than me. And you're going to grow in that, uh, and you're going to be stretched and challenged in that. Kingdom first living is fleshed out differently by an earlobe than a pinky, right? So as we move through this whole idea of priorities, here's my challenge to you. Focus on your own priorities. Focus on saying, God, I I know clearly from Scripture some of these key things that we're going to look at. I see the, the good, better, best here. Help me to flesh this out, and you give me what you have for me. Here's the other thing that working this out in community um, does for us. Israel 
as a nation, as a people, um, had some artists kind of woven through. And I love that the scriptures record so much of the handiwork. One of the things that, um, that you're blessed with this, this morning is seeing three crosses as you drove in. Um, we have some just very skilled people with their hands that want to express their worship by creating things. Um, there's a team of people that's growing, that's, that's just helping, letting our space kind of communicate some different things. The Bible talks all about that in how to build the temple and, and in embroidery and just all these different things, right? One of the artists uh, that's mentioned in Scripture a lot is the musicians and the poets. And these... Um, these artists in the midst of Israel reminded the community of some really deep truths. These are the weighty kinds of truths that kind of sift past our to-do list, sift past our distraction with what's for our next meal or what's coming up on Monday or what's the deadline. And it has this way of kind of settling to the bottom of everything because it's such a big, weighty, powerful truth. This is one of the things that a songwriter said in Psalm 63.3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I don't know about you, but a part of why I show up every single week to church is I need God's word, I need artists, I need you around me to remind me of these deep and weighty truths that cut past how I'm feeling that week. The stresses and pains, even of my very life, to be reminded, that's right, God's love is forever. This life is temporary. Oh, I needed to be reminded of that this week. In just a couple moments, the band is going to come up and they're going to lead us in singing some truth about God. They're going to you're going to have the opportunity to have your eyes just lifted to what's truly beautiful this morning by some words that are going to be sung. My prayer is that that's what this, uh, this whole series does, is that we would be reminded. I'll tell you what's not going to go on with this. I am not going to stand up here and give you your priorities. That's not what this is about. This also isn't kind of a pass or fail. I hope I get the right priorities there's kind of a, a graceful moving scale here. I pray that God reminds some of you of maybe some priorities you had in a different season of life that you've just gotten away from. I pray that he stirs some of you up, maybe for the very first time, because you have been distracted on the way. You come and hear good things, but you never apply it. You can't seem to, to produce any fruit from it because you're walking away, not a disciple who's choosing to follow and obey, but as someone who's just distracted by the cares and worries and pleasures of this life. We just celebrated Easter last week, and I thought about, you know, of all the holidays that we have, um, what a great holiday uh, to say that at least on one day a year, many in our culture, Christian and non-Christian, are going to stop and talk about the cross. They're going to stop and talk about what was the single biggest event in history and should be, ought to be, joyfully so, a high priority for us. What a joy that we can think about, talk about, celebrate the empty tomb all year long. We don't need to wait for one 
day a year to do that. Talk about priority. That's something uh, that, that we're able to do by God's grace. Think about Jesus and Calvary uh, as he lived his life. That was his kind of last spike. That was his mission accomplished was the cross. You see in the Gospels that as time got closer, um, it says that he, he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. That's the city of his execution. He was undeterred, unwavering, and determined. Jesus knew his priority. The question for us is, do we know ours? The wonderful thing is this. Jesus beckons us to follow him. And so if he beckons us to follow him, he's not going to leave us in the dark about this. God's word has clearly laid out some really, really big, weighty truths that I pray will just be such a blessing as you're reminded of them. God, we do celebrate you, acknowledge you with our lips that you're good this morning. Maybe this week, many of us need to just get re-in the habit of pausing at the start of a day and, and tasting of you again. Maybe there's some repentance that we'll need to go on as we just pause and evaluate our life and run some diagnostics and realize that we're not reflecting a good, generous, peaceful God, but a harried and hectic God who's short on time. We don't want our lives to live that way. We're tired of that. God, we thank you that you want to gently take us by the hand, give us time to rest, and lead us out of that. God, today and in the weeks ahead, we pray as we just sung earlier that your words would take priority. The things that you've laid out for us would be the most weighty in our decision making. We love you. We praise you. We find you utterly beautiful this morning. Amen.